have a Bible this morning, turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58. And I'm going to just tell you right now that this probably should be a month-long series, but I have to tell you that once you understand what this is about, you'll be glad I chose to do it in one sermon instead of a month. (laughs) Oh boy, you'll see it. When we get there, okay? But I believe that as we consider our sermon series this month, draw near in prayer, I don't know how I could avoid this subject because it is one of the ways in which God has designed for us to draw ever closer to Him into greater dependence upon Him than we could without what God is going to reveal to us here in this text today. And I'm going to read the whole chapter. It's 14 verses. I believe that in the long run it will save us time. And so I want you to follow along if you have the Bible there. And uh, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible here says, Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression, and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily, and delight to know my ways, as a nation that did righteousness, and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and Thou takest no knowledge. Behold, in the day of your fast ye find pleasure, and exact all your labors. Behold, ye fast for strife and debate, and to smite with a fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day, to make your voice to be heard on high. Is it such a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush, and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast, and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that... Thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house, when thou seest the naked that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy rear reward. Then shall thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger and speaking vanity, and if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity and thy darkness be as the noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones And thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. 
and they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor Him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. And I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Father God, we pray that you would by thy Spirit speak to every heart today. Fill me, I pray, with thy Spirit. And Lord, I, I ask that you might receive the glory. For this we pray in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen. I don't know about you, but I am not always the most patient person. How about you? How many of you would say, that characterizes you quite often? Let me see your hand. Not always the most patient person. Um, you know, I, I don't like to wait in long lines. Uh, I think that's probably the reason that I don't like amusement parks very much. I don't like waiting in long lines. And besides the fact I normally throw up on every thrill ride. And so then I wind up holding the coats and the purses at the exit sign, waiting for everybody the day, day long, all the live long day, you know. But uh, uh, we, we, uh, we always want things and we want them right now, right? You, you know, we want to get out of debt fast, don't we? Folks, you didn't get in it super fast, probably. Probably a maybe you did I don't know maybe you made one or two really bad decisions one day and all of a sudden you're having to pay the piper but you know uh, listen I believe we need to listen to Dave Ramsey he's got some good biblical principles to say but the fact of the matter is you know who wants to set you free it's not Dave Ramsey because he wants to sell more books <laughs> you know he's moving up on being worth half a billion dollars personally so he's getting rich he's making land off his business off you but the fact of the matter is this. God doesn't need anything you have. And He wants to set you free. So today I am going to bring a message entitled, A Fast Victory. And by that I don't mean rapid. I mean by means of something that God has given to us that we don't like to talk about and we like to do even less. It's fasting. Fasting is not bad for you. In fact, we find that for 40 years in the wilderness, the Lord had His people on a form of a fast. He gave them manna. And by that, we have a, a, a picture, if you would, of the Lord Jesus who declared Himself in John 6 to be the manna from heaven. And the indication there is that He would be enough to sustain them. And the Bible tells us in Matthew 4 that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God shall man live. And so the Lord would never have asked us to do something that He didn't enable us to do. He has given us His Word. He has pre preserved His Word for us. And He has said, I want you to live according 
to my word. Manna was a picture of the living word, Jesus, and it sustained them. And by the way, I want to just tell you that they went through that time having eaten manna and having taken water, and at the end of that, as they prepared to enter into Canaan's land, I'll remind you that there were none of them that were sick. There was none so feeble that they could not enter in. They were well able, like Caleb of old, to say, I want that mountain. And at 80 plus years of age was able to conquer it and to subdue enemies. And so though we often think this is a difficult subject to deal with, it is something that nevertheless is good for us. Now I realize that we're living in a day where there's a thousand and one weight loss schemes out there in the media and on the internet and uh, everybody's trying to hawk their wares and sell their pills and help you to uh, get skinny fast, right? Uh, you know, maybe it's just mind over matter. I tried the whole mind over matter thing a couple times this week, and I just kept looking in the mirror saying, I'm skinny, I'm skinny, I'm skinny, and I believe it, I believe it, I believe it, but you know what? I was still not skinny. And, and my wife reminded me of that. <laughs> and, uh, but the fact is that, look, oftentimes what draws us to church is a potluck. Can I get a witness? Um, pra praise the Lord for uh, Kelly, one of our newer members, Wednesday night. Uh, she fried up some fried chicken, a big tin of fried chicken, brought it to church. That, that was her tie to the Levites, so to speak, you know. And uh, I went home and I, and I, uh, I imbibed of that uh, delicacy, that special form of nana. And... Uh, but, but let me say to you, we come to church and we pack out the house and we're going to have a dinner. You know, we're having a covered dish luncheon or we're going to have a fried chicken dinner, whatever it is, that's one. And, uh, but uh, anyway, she said, you know, about twice a service you mentioned fried chicken. I had to prepare you some, so uh, I, I'm just helping her keep count on that right there. But, uh, but let me say, what draws us to church and what really draws us nearer God are often two entirely different things. I want to tell you that when the Spirit of God calls you to fast, He is preparing you for a great work in your life. You cannot find fasting in the Word of God apart from God bringing about deliverance or revelation or provision. We know that the disciples of Jesus in Mark chapter 9 were attempting to cast a devil out of a small boy and they were impotent to do so. And the Lord came and He was able, as you know, to cast the devil out of the young man. And they came to the Lord and said, how is it that we could not cast the devil out of the child? And Jesus said that this kind cometh not out but by prayer and fasting. As we examine the life and the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ, fasting was something that He employed quite often. As He began His ministry, we know that for 40 days and 40 nights the Lord fasted and afterward He was tempted of the devil. And, and we know that when He responded to those temptations, He responded with it is written. The Bible tells us 
in the book of Matthew that we're to fast. And Jesus said there in the words written in red in Matthew chapter 6, when ye fast. He didn't say if you fast. He presumed that His people would fast. He said, when ye fast, do not as the Pharisees. And then He gave them, gave them some further instruction that we're going to elaborate on in this service. I, I want you to know that this is a relevant message for you today. And we need victory. Fast victory. Victory that God can deliver. I know too many people that call freeway home that are bound up in some form of bondage. It might be to nicotine. It might be to alcohol. It could be to drugs. It could be to internet pornography or to sex. It could be to online shopping. It could be some form of a bondage in their life. It could be bitterness, which is really according to Matthew chapter 18, in and of itself, a bondage. That God wants to deliver you from. He wants to give you victory over. And my friends, we are more than conquerors through Him that loves us. We know this. But the saddest thing in all the world is to see those who are the victors. To see those who are called more than conquerors living lives of defeat. Seemingly incapable of overcoming some of the bondages and the issues and the distresses that have overcome them. And today I think that we would all agree that victory is something that we all desire and we, we want to live in the victory over all that we perceive as oppressing us. Yet the pathway to victory is not always an easy one. There are many times when the struggle requires more than what we are giving it. In times like these, we need to consider the Bible teaching on the subject of fasting. It is something, of course, that the Lord practiced and affirmed and was practiced in this church age. The Bible is filled with instances where fasting brought about victory. So I want us to consider its importance for our lives. And I know, I already told you, you're going to be glad that I don't preach on this for a month. <laughs> right? Because some of you are already thinking about what's for lunch. Right? Thinking about a nap. And all of that's counterintuitive to what I'm talking about right at the moment. And, and by the way, the devil wants to just please your flesh and get you to stop thinking about anything godly or, or divine, and get you to thinking about everything uh, that's going to lead you away from what would be good for you. I want to ask a question and answer, what is fasting? Well, as we consider it here in this passage, and I believe that this is the quintessential text on the subject of fasting in the Word of God, there are many other references to it, there are uh, a few dozen at least uh, specific instances of seasons of fasting. But let me say this to you that fasting is fundamentally the denial of the flesh in order to seek the things of God. The denial of the flesh in order to seek the things of God. We think about Daniel, and much is said, and books have been written about fasting that are based on Daniel chapter 3 which is, of course, when 
Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego challenged the prince of the eunuchs to feed them only pulse and water for a 10-day season of time and see if they were not fair and fatter than all of the other uh, captives having eaten off of the king's table. And I want to just submit to you that it has been termed by many as a modified fast. And I submit to you that it was not a fast at all. They, they didn't read all the way to chapter 10 of Daniel, where Daniel says in, in chapter 10 and verse number 3, he says, I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. So fasting is the denial of, of the flesh in order to seek the things of God. This biblical fasting denies the flesh of the one thing that none of us wants to deny it from. It's not air, okay? It's food, right? Food. Do we have any foodies in here? Anybody count yourself? Yeah, there's some foodies in here, right? And uh, just always thinking about food and, and wanting to... What is that? Is that... What spice is that? I, you t- I mean, you're, you want to savor it, you know, and uh, you're not eating to live, you're living to eat, you know, and, and, and you understand what I'm talking about. But biblical fasting is a denial of physical food. It is a denial of all sensual pleasure as well, at the same time, of sensual pleasure. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 5 indicates that married individuals are to refrain from intimacy and that by consent with one another, so there be no physical sensual pleasure during the season of fast, so that you can give yourself to prayer, it says, and fasting, seeking the Lord, not each other. Fasting denies physical exercise. By the way, after about the third day of no food, you don't feel like running a mile or going to the gym anyway. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You don't have any fuel to lift those big weights, Brother John. And uh, the Bible says that a bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness edifieth or profiteth unto all things. So, Fasting is imminently better for you than going to the gym. The gym is not sinful, wicked, evil, or wrong. You ought to go sometime. Some of you haven't been in a while, I can tell. Right? Some of you are like, <laughs> yeah, let's talk, Pastor. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, but look, what I'm simply saying is we cater to our physical man, our our carnal man, and we overlook who we really are. It's a denial of that which occupies the mind with thought that is outside of God and His plans. So in the day of fasting, God had no regard to the children of Israel in the day of their fast. Why? Because the Bible tells us in in verse 3, in the day of your fast you find pleasure. So what were they doing? Well, a guy wasn't eating, but you know what? Uh, instead of eating at lunchtime, he went down to Shooter's World and you know shot off a couple of boxes of rounds. And man, did he ever enjoy it. What was he doing? He was taking pleasure in the day of his fast. Um, sure, you know, she's not taking in any food, but on her lunch hour, she's shopping on Amazon and, uh, and buying up everything that her 
delights her eye, and what are you doing? Taking pleasure in the day of your fast. Taking pleasure in the day of your fast. So that which gives us pleasure in the day of fast. I want to just say that I have a pastor friend who knows much more about this subject than I do, who came to the place where he realized that if he slept a little longer in the morning on the fast days, it made the fast go by quicker. And he was taking comfort in those few extra moments of sleep. He came under the conviction of the Holy Spirit that fasting also included the denial of the pleasure of sleep. If you study the Word of God, you'll discover that there were those who not only denied themselves of the pleasure of physical food and, and all that goes along with that, but they denied themselves the pleasure of added sleep. Because that comforts our flesh. That is a comfort mechanism. That's a, that's a mechanism that many people utilize to deal with their problems. They sleep instead of addressing the day. That means it's a denial of hobbies, television, internet, sports, games, consumerism, and all that would occupy our time. Now, one thing that fasting does not deny you of, water. Because after 72 hours without water, your organs begin to fail. And so the Lord provided water to the children of Israel in the wilderness, water out of the rock. We know that He provided water to drink, and uh, we also know uh, that He will sustain us with the water of the Word. And while we're taking in the physical water, we're to be taking in the water of the Word to cleanse the impurities of the world, the flesh, and the devil so that we can be more in tune with the things of the Lord. Now, I want to just say that fasting is not trying to get God to listen to you. But rather, it is tuning your ear to His voice. It's not trying to get God to listen to you. It is tuning your ear to His voice. And by the way, there's a lot of noise out there in this world. You know, every once in a while, people send me text messages. I see social media posts, and people want to post these, uh, these sayings and these idioms and these philosophies on life. And you know, it really troubles me that people that claim to be solid Christians post the most humanistic things, thinking that that is a great philosophy for life. Folks, if it doesn't jive with what the Bible says, forget about it. Don't post it. It's like, look, if I had some, uh, some contraband of some sort, let's say that I had some, some alcohol and the Lord convicted me that I shouldn't be a drinker, and I decided I'm going to sell it on offer up, why would I want to sell it to somebody to contribute to their demise and become a partaker in another man's sin? I know, you're glad I'm not preaching like this for a month. Now let me say that biblical fasting, it lasted in the Bible either a day, three days, seven days, ten days, fourteen days, twenty-one days, as in Daniel's case, thirty days, and forty days. Jesus fasted forty days. Esther, the queen, 
fasted three days, no food or water before she went in to entreat the king for her people. Moses, before the Ten Commandments were given, fasted for 40 days. And let me just simply say that God has a specific plan and a design for us to utilize this spiritual tool in spiritual battle. I want to tell you something. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5 that the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these two are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. The flesh doesn't want you to do this. And some of you have already turned it off because you're like, yeah, that's good for you. I ain't doing it. <laughs> you know, okay, good for you. You know, you, you let me know how that goes for you. But understand something here. If you have any problems, if you have any distresses, if you have any doubt, if you have any decisions, if you have any debt, if you have any loved ones with any of the above, and you've tried everything and nothing seems to be working, God has given you a means by which you well may hear from heaven and see the heart and the hand of God moved to set the captive free, to release you from the heavy yoke and burden that oppresses you. I don't know if that's you, but folks, I have people that I love that are held in bondage. And I love them enough to want to see them set free. How about you? So all of your humanistic efforts haven't worked yet. Why don't you try what God said? So, okay, Pastor, I'm going to fast, but I want to caution you. There's something that ruins fasting. What ruins fasting? When, when, when should I say this is not really um, something that is helping me at the moment? I'm going to tell you. Matthew 6 reveals to us in verses 16 through 18, you have it there, that um, what ruins it, first of all, is pride. You know why the Lord said, be not as the Pharisees when you fast? Because with pride, they wanted everybody in the society to know that they were doing it, to try to set themselves up on some kind of pinnacle or pedestal that everyone would admire. Hey, look at me, I'm doing something great for God. When we come to that place, you may as well just go get a bucket of fried chicken. Take a long soap bath. You know, I'm, I'm just saying, look, it, when we get lifted up with pride, we want everybody to know it. We're telling everybody, pray for me, I'm fasting. I don't feel well today. I'm fasting, fasting. You're not supposed to tell anybody. Unless it's your husband or your wife, Right? And, and, and that's, you know, that you've consented together and she knows that she's going to, or he knows that he's going to be more sensitive in the coming days, more prayerful, and maybe get on board and join you in that. Focusing upon the physical, pleasure or fitness, taking long walks, you know, or sitting and watching television, okay, whatever it is, that ruins it. Whenever we, we do that which pleases the flesh, focusing on others and not God and what He is doing in you. In other words, fasting so that God will fix this person. It's not what it's about. He said, look, I don't have any regard to your fast days because of the fact that you fast for spite and to smite with a fist of iron. You want God to move His hand against people that you don't like. That's not what fasting is about. It's about for us to have the mind of Christ and turn everything over to a sovereign God and rest in that alone. That's what it's about. 
Not to try to tell God who He needs to get after, as though somehow He doesn't know. I'll tell you what will ruin a good fast. Trying to gain a strategic advantage over someone else. You know, I've, I've got this business thing, and you know, this guy, you, you know, and so we start fasting thinking that God is going to give me the strategic advantage. Look, it's not for you to gain a physical advantage. It's for you to so be in tune with God that you have an understanding of His heart and mind, and you begin to walk in wisdom that God has granted to you, and in a nearness that apart from that season you would have never experienced. I'll tell you what else ruins it. Neglecting responsibilities and simply trying to save money. You know what? For years, uh, I, I would hear about people that would fast. And uh, f- during the 70s, our family, uh, my dad is here, he was, he was called to the Lord to go to Korea as a missionary. And we went, and we would often hear about pastors and Christians that would go to what they called prayer hostels. They had them in the mountains. And people would uh, take gallons of water with them and they'd go away for you know a month or so and they would fast and pray and they'd try to get close to God. And uh, it seemed like about every month we heard about somebody dying in a prayer hostel and they'd have to you know recover the body because the family couldn't get a hold of them. They'd go up to the prayer hostel and there they were dead because they hadn't taken in enough water or food and, and, uh, and they died of exposure and, and hunger and, and starvation. And you know, that's not God's will for your life. No good to the economy of God dead. All the people said, (laughs) I can't even get an amen on that one. What it's talking about here is, look, when you fast, don't hide yourself from people. That's why it says in verse number 7, is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. You know what that means? When you're fasting, still come to the dinner table. Because although you're not taking any physical nourishment, your family still needs the comfort of your involvement in their life. And that's a responsibility that God has given you, and that's what it's telling us, is that when you're fasting, don't don't avoid your responsibility. Because when you get to the place where you think that your God-given duties take a back seat to what you're trying to do and got going on, then you know what? You may as well go out and buy a bucket of chicken and draw a nice bubble bath and turn on your favorite cop show. Right? The point I'm just simply making is that we need to still honor God in what He says in His Word. Now, the last thing I would tell you, and we're going to move very quickly, but, and I would encourage you to go on the website and get the notes or scan the QR code as you leave. It'll be on your phone there. But uh, trying to force God's hand with a hunger strike, that won't work. How many of you know that God is omnipotent? He's all-powerful. You know? And how many of you know that God is not impressed with you going on a hunger strike? (laughs) He's like, knock yourself out, man. (laughs) Go ahead and have one. I'm still God. I'm still holy. I still have a purpose. I still have a plan. Do you understand? And so look, if you're trying to force God to do something, you may as well go out and buy a bucket of chicken. Amen? Get some mashed potatoes and gravy, some biscuits, some coleslaw while you're at it. 
right? Wash it down with a couple liters of Mountain Dew. You know, some people are like, okay, that's all well and fine. I understand all that now. Now I'm, I'm thoroughly depressed. Okay. Because here's something that can prevail in spiritual battle and I'm not doing it and I really don't want to do it. Right? I'm not going to ask if I can get a witness because I'd turn you into liars. Okay. And then we'd have to have another sermon, right? You wouldn't like that either. But we could preach a month on that. So why should you fast? Why should I fast? Look at this. Okay. Well, in verse number 5, it says this, Wilt thou call this in the last part a fast, an acceptable day to the Lord? Here's what he said. Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke. Okay? Why should I fast? I should fast first to listen I'm going to listen to God. So, when I have fasted, what does verse 9 say? Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and He shall say, Here I am. And then He has a message for you. And He said, I'm going to, and thy darkness, verse 10, uh, be as the noonday. So look, I'm going to hear from the Lord. I should fast to lean upon God. Why? Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, the Bible reveals that when I'm weak, then am I strong. And let me just say this to you. If you've ever fasted, you know that by day three, you're as weak as tea. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes we we pride ourselves in being so strong and energetic. And and you know, I take vitamins and here's how much weight I can lift on the bench press. and, And everybody is so impressed with that. But you know what God is impressed with? When you're willing to do that which is counter to the impulses of the flesh. That's what God is impressed by. And by the way, it's going to lead you to a depth of holiness that most people never get to. And there's a principle that can be applied from 1 Peter chapter 4 where the Bible tells us, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh of the lust of men, but to the will of God. And what is that saying? It's talking about the persecution that comes upon the believer and when we are willing to suffer for Jesus' sake and we are enduring that suffering, guess what we've stopped doing at that moment? Sinning. If you are actively suffering for Jesus and enduring a season of real Bible persecution, the greatest chance is that you're not involved in a great deal of sin at that point because you're willing... To have your flesh injured for Jesus' sake. You know what? Fasting afflicts the soul and the body and it produces a form of suffering. And if you're willing to do that for Jesus, you're not going to be out there doing all sorts of other things. I should lean upon God. I should fast uh, to liberate myself from that which is holding me in bondage how many of you know somebody that's in debt let me see your hand all right somebody like yep that's me (laughs) right got two hands up we're gonna have a charismatic service here you know look somebody's in debt you know what that is an oppression the bible says you're in bondage by the way because the rich ruleth over the poor and the borrower is servant unto the lender and the word servant there means a slave you're in a form of bondage when you're in debt 
And fasting is designed by God to help to liberate and set free. Why should I fast? I'm going to tell you, to love God more than my fleshly desires. Love God more than my fleshly desires. You know what's interesting? I, I, I believe that, speaking of those in the Gentile world who are pagan, Paul made reference to them saying, whose God is their belly. In other words, they were governed by their sensual appetites. Whatever their sensual appetites dictated, that's what they did. Folks, it's a good thing I didn't go in the fellowship hall before Sunday school because I have no doubt I would have eaten a couple of donuts. Right? Because that's what my sensual appetite would have called me to do. But God was calling me to do something else at that moment. The fact of the matter is, there are many whose God is their belly. They spend more time at the gym trying to tone their abs. Do you hear me? Or more time in the kitchen trying out new recipes than they ever do on the God that loves them and gave His life for them. And what it reveals is we have placed another God ahead of Him, which is idolatry, and your God is your belly. Because that's what you give your time, your thought, your attention to. I know people that miss church routinely, but they rarely miss the gym. Your God, your God is your belly. I know people that don't dial into the Sunday night services online, but they watch their cooking shows. Your God is your belly. It's not what I'm saying. You read the Bible. Fact of the matter is this, that it proves that we love God more than we love our fleshly desires. The last thing I would say to you is that we should fast to light our world. To light our world. You say, what do you mean? What I mean is this. Some people say, okay, by fasting, this is a good thing because I'm going to lose weight. If that's the purpose, forget it. Okay? I'm not talking about intermittent fasting to stimulate your metabolism. Okay? If that's what you're doing it for, forget it. If you lose a few pounds as you're starting out, and all of a sudden you start focusing in on, hey, these pants fit really good now, and look at this. Wow, and you're doing this. And Just stop. Go out and get a bucket of chicken. Okay? Go to the gym. Watch Law and Order. I don't know. Do something. But look, you've just ruined it because your focus has been drawn away from the very purpose of the fast, been put back on the flesh. And the reality is, my friends, is that God is calling us to use this to light our world. And what it means is this. You might be saving money on groceries. The Bible is teaching us, don't just bank the money you save on groceries, but take the money you would have spent on groceries and buy food for those that are hungry. Prepare a meal for someone who's shut in. That's what it's saying right there. You you don't believe me? It's what it says. You you don't believe me? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry? The bread that you would have eaten, give it to somebody that's hungry. That thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house. Bring somebody home for dinner. I'll never forget, I was at a conference in Northern California, a pastor's conference, and 
and I needed to meet with a, another pastor that was coming to preach at a banquet that we were having the following month, and, and he was speaking in the particular conference that I was an attendee of, and I said, hey, we're, I'm, I'm going with some of the men of my church over to Marie Callender's for lunch. Why don't you meet us there, and we can go over what we need to talk about concerning you know, the upcoming banquet. He said, sure, I'd be happy to meet you there. So he came in, and he sat down, and, and he looked gaunt and thin. I'm like, are, are you okay? You sick? He said, no, I'm, I, I didn't want to say anything, but I'm, I'm just in the midst of a fast. So you go ahead and have lunch. And I said, you know, I don't want to be intrusive, but what day is this? He said, I'm on day 21. I have to tell you, I felt really self-conscious eating a four-course lunch. <laughs> you know, it's, you want some fries? <laughs> you know, you know and, and he's like, don't worry. He said, I'm, I'm way past. He said, a lot of times now I sit down in front of food, it makes me sick. The thought of eating it, because I know I couldn't hold it on my stomach right now. So just go ahead and eat. He ordered water, and he sat and drank water, and we talked about things. But you know what, listen, um, we need to use that season to be a light in the darkness, to help others. When you see someone that doesn't have clothing, take care of them. And don't hide yourself from your flesh. Take care of your family. Tend to your responsibilities is what it's saying. And, and there, there are more things that it would say. We fast because it gives us a greater occasion to light our world. Take the hundred hundred bucks you'd have spent at the grocery store, buy a case of water, and use the change to help somebody. I'm, I'm just preaching the Bible, okay? When should I fast? When should you fast? You should fast in times of distress. How many of you know what distress feels like? Okay. You should fast in times of doubt and uncertainty. Why? Because the Bible reveals that the Lord, He says, that thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. And what is God going to do in verse 10? Thy darkness shall be as a noonday. The darkness of doubt will be dispelled when God gives you the divine wisdom that only comes when you afflict your soul so that you can hear from heaven. I know I'm not having very much fun either. In times of doubt and uncertainty, you should fast in times of debt. Why? Because the Bible says that God wants to loose the bands of wickedness to undo the heavy burdens in verse 6 and to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke. Not only are you going to save money on groceries and, and dining out, but God may give you an answer that you could have never seen apart from that season that you gave to Him. And I'm not saying that you're going to have a check in the mailbox, although God is well able to do that, but I am saying this, that God is eminently interested in you being unshackled from the things that would keep you back from doing His will, including debt. 
You should fast in times of decision. Jesus did that when He was getting ready to choose disciples. He went out and He, and he fasted for 40 days. And, and we find many other times when the church in Antioch was uh, uh, contemplating what the Spirit of the living God was telling them concerning the Gentile world. They had a long season of prayer and fasting. We read about that in chapters 13 and 14 in the book of Acts. You should fast in times that are devilish against you. Verse 6, to loose the bands of wickedness. Does that not include that which the devil might bring upon you? He's wicked, he's evil. And we know that Jesus did spiritual battle with the devil in Mark chapter 9 and said, this kind cometh not out, but by prayer and fasting. You should fast in times of delight. When you're delighting yourself in the Lord just to show Him how much you really do love Him. You know, I'll tell you something. Every once in a while, I want to do something special to show Linda or the kids how much I love them. And so I'm more than happy to pack a, a lunch instead of going to McDonald's. More than happy to drink Folgers rather than going to Starbucks. More than happy to wear one of the few hundred ties hanging in my closet and never buy another one. Okay, I'm more than happy to go without something that my flesh would like to have so that I could prove to them how much I really love them. Sometimes we give, but we don't necessarily go without but when you go without, it rises to the level of what we might term sacrifice. And so if I'm delighting in the Lord, even as the Bible says there in verse number 14, it says, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. What, what is he talking about? When you're willing to afflict your soul through fasting, and when you're willing to keep my holy day and seek me and not take pleasure on the day of my holy day, that's when you're truly delighting in me. And then all of these great things are going to follow. The problem that we have is to conquer King's stomach. Now I want to just say, there are reasons why we don't fast. One of them is our, our stomach is king. I mean, there are a lot of people right now, man, they're like, hey, I wish he, I hope he hurries up. You know, I've got to... Lunch reservation, you know, I, I, you got, I'm going to have the ribeye down at Longhorn after service, and you know, I can already taste it. I'm salivating, thinking about it. I get the loaded baked potato and uh, and everything. I'm thinking about that, and that, and that's kind of on the mind. The, the fact of the matter is, who's king? Who's God? Is it your belly? So your belly is going to tell God how fast His work needs to go. And by the way, I'm just going to tell you, the postmodern church, uh, of which this is the postmodern church age, we are on the precipice of the end of this age, my friends. And you know what the church is doing now? We're trying to pander to everybody's fleshly whims to try to sneak in a little Jesus. So we put a Starbucks in the foyer, and we give away Krispy Kreme, and we have chicken dinners, and we, and we serve all kinds of things. Then we have a Zumba class, and we have fitness classes, and, and uh, we, you know, we, we do all of these things, the pan of the whims of the flesh, in the hope that somewhere along the line, somebody gets a little Jesus. 
What it proves is that the church has not necessarily always held the line. I'm, I'm not against donuts. You can tell by my figure I'm not. Right? I'm not against eating a good steak or some fried chicken, Brother John. You know that. I mean, you've known me long enough. But you, you know, the fact is that sometimes I need to push away from the table and say I'm going to give this time to the Lord because there's too many things hanging in the balance right now. There are too many people that I love that are hurting and I've tried everything I know how to do and it doesn't seem to work. And I need to go to another level in spiritual battle. I need to go to another place. Someone once said, to have something that you've never had, you have to do something that you've never done. The fact is, look, God wants to bring you to the place where you will develop a hunger for fasting. Let me say that again. God wants to bring you to the place where you will develop a hunger for fasting. The psalmist said, My soul longeth for thee. As the heart panteth after the water brook, so my soul longeth for thee, O God. When you begin to have a hunger for God, there will at some point in time lead you in spiritual battle and in deep abiding love for God to the place where you have a hunger to do away with the things that would draw your heart and mind away from the mind of Christ and the embrace of His love and grace. I'm simply saying, we do not fast because we love the things of this world too much. And the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of God, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but him that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And the reason why we don't do it is because we like ourselves, quite simply, more than we want to see God deliver victory, release the captives, overcome our distress, and so we just stay in the stink. The fact is that, look, we don't fast because we think we can deal with things another way. Okay, there's got to be a better way than this, Pastor. I'm, I don't do hunger, you know. I didn't work my whole life to be able to you know, buy my groceries just not to buy them anymore. You know, I don't do that stuff. Look, the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. You think you're so smart? Be not wise in thine own eyes. Trust God, and trust Him to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. You've been trying it this long. How's that working out for you? Huh? Fellas, you've tried your heavy-handedness with your kids, and they're still bittered and still rebellious. So how's all that heavy-handedness working out for you? Why don't you do what God says? I'm just simply saying, we don't fast because we choose to think that that's good for somebody else. It doesn't apply to us. 
That's good for the preacher. That's good for the missionaries. That's good for the people that are, you know, addicted to drugs. They need to go cold turkey off food. Right? Folks, we don't fast because we don't really want to pay the price to hear from heaven. Now I want to just say that if, if you're sitting there saying, well, I'm a diabetic. You know, I can't do that. Or, you know, I have hypoglycemia. I can't do that. You know, or the doctor has me on a special diet. I can't do that. Okay, I get all that. I live in a real world. There's something you can do. All right? How can you deny the flesh of its pleasure and still live, O thou diabetic? Right? I'll tell you how. I'll tell you how. Take a tepid bath instead of a warm bath. Because that warm bath pleases your flesh that's extra sensitive due to your condition. I'll tell you how. Set your clock to get up 15 minutes earlier in the morning give that time to God in prayer. I'll tell you how. Turn off the internet. I'll tell you how. Turn off the TV. I'll tell you how. Put down the crossword puzzles. I'll tell you how. Stop taking a walk with your neighbor for the fast. I'll tell you how. Find what food is going to sustain your life and only eat that one until the fast is over. Instead of going down to Sizzler every day and having at the buffet because you're a, you're a diabetic or you have hypoglycemia and, and get something different every day. You can still do it. I, I put in the notes, consult your doctor before going on a protracted fast because we have to add that in there. The lawyers tell us to do it. I, I love you guys. I know, I know, I feel, I just, I wish some of you could see how many stink eyes are looking at me right now. You know, it's, it's alarming. I think I'm going to have to exit stage left, you know. The, the, the fact is, folks, listen. I wish I knew more about this. Experientially. There have been times I've fasted long time. Long enough that I thought I was going to die. I wasn't, going to, I wasn't even going to come close. Folks, I could probably go without food for a couple of months. <laughs> you know, and i got a lot of fuel to burn, right? Just give me water. I'll be good to go. You know, some of you could probably get, get by that long too. But, but you don't listen. How serious are you about a hunger for God? Now, let's get real, okay? And I'm, and I'm almost done. I want, I want to get real with you right now. Okay. Let's be honest before God and with ourselves. How many of you have someone in your life that you love very much that is held in a bondage right now? Let me see your hand. Someone you love very much that's in a bondage. It might be sexual addiction, internet pornography. It might be drugs, alcohol, cigarettes. It, it might, I don't know. It might be spending on the internet. They're just addicted. And it's become a bondage. You know what? There's about 90% of the people in here that just raise their hand. Now I want to ask you this. Do you love the person you just thought about when you raised your hand? 
So what are you going to do about it? You can't change them. You can't make God do stuff. But you can go to a level in spiritual warfare where the things begin to happen that you never anticipated. You could have never scripted. When it's urgent, man, it's on. Like Donkey Kong. Yeah, listen. You, you, you just, nothing else seems as important, right? How many of you know kids that are wayward right now? Let me see your hand. Kids that are wayward. How many know people going through a bitter divorce? People like that, several. Listen, we have members of our church right now trying to get off drugs. Trying to get off alcohol. Trying to get off nicotine. Trying to quit gossiping. That's an addiction. Trying to quit internet porn. It's consuming them. And they're powerless. And they're checking with HR to see if they have benefits with their insurance to go to therapy. Why? Why? Because God's way doesn't work? So you're going to go to some transgender binary person that, that, that's, that's questioning who they are and they're going to tell you what to do? Because they have alphabet soup on the wall? I don't know about you, but I certainly trust everyone educated by our government system. So you're going to go to the therapist because God's way doesn't work? The Bible says, look, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. What are you going to do about it? Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. I don't want to be characterized as his God is his belly. All he thinks about is what's for lunch. And then wants to sleep. And take comfort in those things. And take, you know, hour-long baths and sit up late night watching TV and never crack the Bible, never hit my knees. Never hear from heaven. Never walk in victory, even though I am a victor. Let's just be real. Some people are sitting there right now thinking, I'm starving. I'm not telling you don't eat lunch. Okay? When Jesus sent, saw the multitudes there by the seashore, when he, when, he, when he fed the thousands with the loaves and the fish, you know what He told the disciples? We cannot send them away fasting, for they will faint in the way. God cares about you. He doesn't want you to walk around faint. He wants to feed you and take care of you. But there are times when necessity demands that we go to another level in spiritual warfare where love requires we go to another level in love and in intimacy with God. And sometimes that can be proven by pushing away from the table and by not hitting the snooze button, but getting up and opening the Bible and spending that extra time in prayer and giving that to the Lord by taking the time and money saved on grocery shopping and giving it to those in need rather than saying, we got some extra time on our hands. What do you want to do with it? Now, I'm, I'm just going to tell you something. 
if you don't like what I said, you can take all the commentaries you want to on Isaiah 58. Okay? And come see me. Let's talk. Because this isn't what I think or what I'm saying. This is thus saith the Lord. So what do you do about that? I'm not saying you've got to do it every week. I'm not saying you've got to be Muslim and you know fast for 12 hours during Ramadan. 12 hours? Come on, man. Then you're going to have a steak and go play in a basketball game. What I'm talking about is soul-level, gut-wrenching spiritual warfare and a renewed love and having a wisdom that we've never experienced because we determined to pay the price to hear from heaven. That's it. We have too many needs. There are too many major problems in our country and in our families for us to overlook this. You think about it. Heavenly Father, we thank You for today. Thank You, Lord, for these sweet people gathered in this room. And Lord, I, I, I know that there are those that are like me and we don't like to think about denying self. But Lord, may we have a hunger for You that leads us to have a hunger for fasting sometimes. Where we so want to hear from You and have a touch from God. Where we so need to see our loved ones loosed from the heavy yoke and the bondage that they're in. God, I pray that we would feel better equipped with an added tool of spiritual warfare. Lord, I pray that we might be willing to pay the price to hear from heaven and see healing come to our life, the lives of our loved ones. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Really, candidly, I've preached this sermon to Christian people. Those that have trusted Christ and what He's done for them on the cross of Calvary for their eternal salvation. And there could be someone here that's listened and thought, this is all Greek to me. I don't understand any of it. And perhaps the reason is because you have never settled the most important issue of life. And that is this, that you are not sure that your sins are all forgiven and that you have a home in heaven secure forever. You can fast till you die, but if you don't know Christ as your Savior, it does you no good. The truth is that we need what only Jesus can provide us. We cannot provide it to ourselves. We need a salvation. And perhaps there's someone in this room today that would say, Pastor Mark, I've listened to this message and I've listened to what you have just now said. And that is what I need. I am not certain that if I died right now, I would go to heaven. But I'm concerned about it. Pastor Mark, don't embarrass me or single me out, but please pray for me. If that's you today, I wonder if you'd just lift your hand up. 
Say, Pastor Mark, here's my hand. Remember me in prayer. God bless you, and God bless you, and God bless you. Are there others today? Pastor Mark, I don't even know that if I died right now, I'd go to heaven, but I'm concerned about that. Here's my hand. Please remember me also. Just slip it up and write back down. I'll see where you're seated. Remember you in prayer. Now maybe you would say, Pastor Mark, I know that I'm going to heaven, but to this point, I really haven't been willing to go to that level in dealing with the issues of my life spiritually. But I have loved ones that, that need a touch from God and I need the wisdom of God and we need the liberty that only He can give. And today you're saying, God, if Your Spirit should lead me to fast, I'm willing to do so. And if that's your heart today, and you would say, Pastor Mark, pray for me because I know it won't be easy, but I want to be willing when the Spirit leads to take that step. Here's my hand. Would you lift it up? I'm not saying it would be today. I'm not saying it would be tomorrow or next week. But what I'm saying is that when the Spirit of the living God leads you to do it, you'll be willing to do it. God bless you. Many, many hands today. I pray that God would quicken your minds to the truth and remind you of what He has spoken to you about right here, right now. Not just for a moment, but for time to come. And what we're going to do right now is we're going to have an invitation. And whether you've lifted your hand or not, if you're here today and not sure that you're on your way to heaven, we're going to begin singing in just a moment. And when we do, I'm going to invite you to step out from where you are. I'll be here in the front waiting for you. Come and take my hand. Let me have a counselor show you from an open Bible how that you could be absolutely certain your sins are forgiven and that heaven is yours. The most important decision you have ever made. Perhaps you have been resisting doing anything that would hurt your flesh to seek the Lord. Maybe you just want to kneel down and say, Lord, I'm first, first thing I'm doing away with is not food, but pride. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to kneel down right here and I want to consecrate this time and space and this place. And I, I, I just want to say, Lord, when your spirit leads me to that point, here I am, God, help me to be willing to listen and obey. Perhaps there are those that need to be baptized today or join this church. However, the Lord may be dealing with you. We invite you to respond. Father God, right now, I pray that you would continue moving in hearts. Have your will in each life. In this moment, I pray. Our heads are bowed. Let's stand together with heads bowed and eyes closed. As Brother Lyle begins to sing that song, if God is dealing with you, if you're not sure you're on your way to heaven, we invite you to come right now. Just as I am Would you step out and come? So I'm not sure I'm going to heaven, Pastor. But that Would you come? Would you come? Blood was shed for me, and that Thou bidst me come to Thee, O Lamb of God. I come. I come. As Indy plays softly through our heads are bowed, some are kneeling and praying. There are 
at least three that lifted a hand today and said, Pastor Mark, I'm not even sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven. I prayed for you, I'm going to continue praying for you, but my prayer will not save you. If you're not sure and you'd like to be sure, while no one is looking right now except me, I wonder if you just step out from where you are. I'll meet you right here at the front. We have counselors waiting right now to talk to you. It's the most important thing you could ever do. As Brother Lyle sings that next verse, it's just for you. The Savior's calling. Will you come? Just as I am. Would you step out and come right now? Waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot to God, how we thank You for Your work in the midst today. Lord, I pray that You would help us to remember the truth long after lunch is over. Lord, help us to see that You're calling us to go deeper, to stay longer, to be willing to pay the price, to hear from heaven, and see the oppressed go free. Help us, Lord. For we ask it in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen.